while Jacob left Beersheba. Stay in the spirit of worship. Don't try to look for something. Hear the word of God. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from earth to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you, and I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through your descendants. What's more, I am with you. I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I promised you. Then Jacob awoke from sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob woke up very early, and he took the stone he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. He poured olive oil over it, and he named the place Bethel, which means house of God although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he'll provide for me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. To a place that is truly the house of God. The gateway to heaven. Lord, I want you to show us your glory. Show us your power. Let us understand the revival that you have laid out for our hearts and for our lives. Lord, I want you to be with us. I want you to direct us. I want you to heal us. I want you to deliver us. Lord, I want you to fulfill your promise us. The land on which we set is ours. And, Lord, you will be our protector. You will be our provider. You will be our God, and we will be your children. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word in this, in our hearts. Thank you for your word in our ears. Thank you for your word in our spirit. We walk into this building tonight. I'm afraid too many of us come in like Jacob. Jacob, name in itself, means supplanter. He always wanted more. He always was reaching. He was actually born holding on to the ankle of his older brother. The, in, in, inside the womb, him and his twin brother fought and battled against each other. The prophecy was given that there were two nations inside her womb and that they would compete against each other and the older would serve the younger. When they were born, Esau came out first. Jacob came out holding on to his ankle, holding on to his heel, saying, I want to be, I want to be something. I want to be first. He wanted acceptance. He wanted power. He wanted, he wanted mercy and grace, and he wanted strength. His brother and him grew up. His brother was a man of, of hunting, and, and he was a man's man. And Jacob stayed home with his mother. One day, his older brother came in and had been hunting and was hungry. You ever been hungry? I'm not talking about spiritually, uh, physically. I'm talking about spiritually. Have you ever been hungry and said, I, I, I need something? I need something. But what happens here is he comes in hungry and says to Jacob, give me some food. And Jacob says, give me your rights as the older brother. Give me your birthright. Give me what is designed to be yours. And I'll give you something to eat. Mm, there's too many Esau's in the world. That for a little bit of an emotional pick-me-up, for a little bit of a shout, for a little bit of a revival service, we'll give up the birthright of what God has promised us so we can feel good for a moment. We'll give up what God has promised us for eternity. Esau said, what good is it to me to be the oldest son and have the rights of an oldest son when I'm going to starve to death now? Too many times we've come into a dry, dusty place in our spirit and we say, what good is it to have what God's going to do next month if I can't make it through today? But I got news for you. Somewhere we need to learn to hold on. Hold on to the promises. Hold on to the birthright that God has given us. Esau gave up his birthright. Jacob had deceived him. Then Isaac looks to Esau when Isaac gets old and blind. And he says, make me some stew. And bring it in to me and let me bless you. See, by birth, Esau had a birthright. By choice, his father wanted to bless him. And he went out to hunt, but his mother had overheard the conversation. And she went to Jacob and she said, listen, go bring in a goat. We'll cook it up. And you'll go in and you'll get the blessing instead. 
they went to great extents to mimic the blessed one. They put sheepskin on his arms, on the back of his neck. He wore his brother's clothes so he'd smell like him. He went into his blind father, and his father said, Who is this? He says, It's your son Esau. I've brought your food. Now bless me. And the father, Isaac, says, Come here, and he touches him. And he says, The skin is Esau. The smell is Esau. But the voice, the voice, who are you? And he says, I'm Esau. And Isaac proceeds to bless him. After he leaves, Esau comes in with the same meal. And he says, Father, I'm here. And he says, what's happened? I've already blessed your brother. He will be your servant. I mean, he will be your master. You'll be his servant. Esau says, don't you have anything for me? He says, your brother has stolen your blessing. He has conned you out of your birthright. He has stolen your blessing. Jacob's not a good guy. Rachel says to Jacob, your brother wants to kill you. You need to go back to my family. Go back to the place that your grandfather said your father couldn't go. See, Evangelist Tommy's got to lay in some, some, some groundwork here. See, you, you got to remember back when, when Abram, Abraham was about to die, he made his servant go and get a bride for his son. But he said, don't let Isaac go back to where I came from. I don't need Isaac going back. and have to, I don't need Isaac to have to be delivered from what I was delivered from to get what I've got. He said, go get him a wife. But now Rachel is sending, is sending Isaac's son, the one who now has the birthright, the one who now has the blessing. And he's saying, she's saying, listen, you've got to go back. You've got to go back to where we came from. You've got to go back to where it started. You can't stay here anymore. You've got to go back. I got news for you. Somewhere down the line, we've started stealing blessings. Somewhere down the line, we started cheating people out of birthrights. We started saying that we can get there this way or that way. There's more than one way to get to Jesus. No, there's not. We've had the right smell. We've had the right look. But the voice hasn't been the right voice. We've not been talking the right things. We've been too busy having worship concerts. We've been too busy entertaining one another. We've been too busy trying to have a show and let everybody see what's going on. And now we're in a situation where the only way we can find the miracle and the power that God has for us is we got to go all the way back. So Jacob leaves to go back to Haran. But as he journeys back to Haran, the Bible says 
that he left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. And at sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. He found a rock to lay his head on, and he went to sleep. Let me tell you where God's led me for tonight. We got to find a good place. We got to find a good place. A good place can only happen when we find the place where God is. When when Jacob is walking down the road, he's been a deceiver. He's been he's been one that has not been trustworthy. He's lied. He's stolen. He's cheated. A, all of his life, he's been grasping for something he didn't quite have. Now through deceit, now through through treachery, now through thievery, he has grabbed everything he wanted, but he has no life. He has no victory. Instead, he's finding himself going back to where his grandfather was delivered from, and he finds a good place along the way. He thought it was just a good place to lay down. He thought it was a good campsite. He thought it was a good place to rest. What he found out, it was a good place for a pop-up revival. The Bible says that he slept and dreamed of a stairway that reached up to heaven, from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. And at the top of the stairway was the Lord. And you know what the Lord says? He says, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. He's a liar. He's a cheat. He's a deceiver. He's always been a little less than what he wanted to be. He always wanted to be in charge. He came out of he came into the world grabbing a hold of the of his older brother, hoping he could be number one. And now God has found him on the run and said, Listen to me. The land, the ground you are lying on is yours. Let me tell you who I am. I am the God of your grandfather. I am the God of your father. I'm going to be your God, and I've come by to tell you the blessing, the anointing, the power is yours. Church, it's not grandmas. It's not mamas. It's yours. It's not grandpa's. It's not daddy's. It's yours. I have a gun in my house. That is not mine. It's actually Anthony's. But many, 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 many years ago, when my grandfather was 12 years old, his daddy bought him a twenty-two rifle. When my daddy turned 12 years old, my grandfather gave him that 22 rifle. When I turned 12 years old, my daddy gave me that rifle. When Anthony turned 12 years old, I gave Anthony that rifle. 
For many years, it stayed at dad's house. Now it's at my house. But I got news for you. It's not my gun anymore. It may have been handed down generation to generation. The thing that's special about that gun is it came from grandpa. But I got news for you. It's not grandpa's gun anymore. It's not dad's gun anymore. It's not my gun anymore. It's my descendant's gun now. Pastor, what does that have to do with anything in in the world? Because I got news for you. Too many of you have been trying to live grandma's faith. You've been trying to live daddy's religion. But I got news for you until you understand that the God of your grandfather and the God of your father has looked to you and said the place where you are at is your place. It's your time. It belongs to you. It's not your mom and daddy's. It's yours. It's yours. It's not your parents. Jennifer, it's not your parents. Where did we lose sight that God has given us blessing? That God has given us authority. The sad news is this is not a message for teenagers and children, but unfortunately it's a message for those of us that are walking in the midlife area of life and we're still holding on to what daddy had and what mama had and what grandma had. I got news for you. They had something great, but God has come by and said, I'm going to give it to you. He looks at at Jacob And he says, I am the God of your grandfather, Abraham. I am the God of your father, Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. It's not going to die with your blind daddy. The call of God did not go away when Abraham died. It's not going to go away when your daddy that you was so old and so blind and so feeble that you could deceive him. When he leaves this world, that's not the end of the blessing. You may have stolen the blessing. You may have not been right to this point, but I've got news for you. I've already laid out into the history of time that the blessing, the anointing, the descendancy, the power of God is yours. Your descendants will be numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and to the east, north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through your descendants. He knew those words. His grandfather Abraham came into the land when he was 65 years old, I believe it was. God made a covenant with him and said, I'm going to raise up a people from you. He got tired of waiting. He kept saying, God's going to do something. God's going to, it's going to be ours. They got so tired of waiting, his wife come up with a way to short circuit the plan. 
Every time I read that story, a story of Hagar, I can't imagine Abraham was very smart. Because he didn't think that was going to cause a problem. Here, take my maidservant, have a kid with her. Maybe that's how God wants to do this. I got news for you. We can't make up our own distance to God's anointing. God said, I'm going to do it. We got to trust that he's going to do it. All of a sudden, Grandpa's 99 years old. And Daddy was born. Mm -hmm. Lord, help me, Jesus. I'm almost 50, and I'm like, ain't no more. I was no more at 40. I was almost no more at 35. Actually, I was probably no more at 35. And, I didn't want no kids when I, I'm too old to have kids running around. If I got a kid running around now, it's going to be a grandkid that I can spoil and send home. And all of a sudden, Jacob hears these words and he remembers Grandpa's story. You're going to have descendants that number like the sand on the shore. But Grandpa only had one kid. That was a child of promise, and that was Isaac. Now, Isaac got anointed and had twins. Oh, there's the sands of the seashore. We're not doing very good, folks. Now, it looks like everything has been derailed because the one who was born with the rights of the oldest, the one who was supposed to get the blessing, has been deceived and cheated. And now the one who is the supplanter, the deceiver, is the one that's carrying the blessing. And God said, I got news for you. The same promise I gave your grandpa is the same promise I'm giving you. Your descendants are going to number like the sand on the shore, like the stars in the sky. All of a sudden, Jacob realized that his life was not about him anymore, that his life was about fulfilling the call of God. I got news for you. It's high time we realize that we don't go to a church to fill the call of a pastor from a hundred years ago that started a church, but we're here to fulfill the call of God. He called us to be a a harbor for hurting souls, not in the 80s, not in the 90s, not in the early 2000s, but in 2019 and 2020. We have been called to be a lighthouse, to be a harbor for hurting souls. The call still stands. It belongs to you. The anointing belongs to you. It's yours. We've got people in our church that are loving dear people that may not be around forever. But the anointing is not going to die with them. We look around our church and we have very few left that are what I call little church people. Now, I don't mean little, I mean little. We've got a few people left that were in church in that building. But I'm going to tell you, the revival that hit in that building that caused this building isn't dead. 
It's not going to die when the little people are gone, when the little church people are gone, when the people that know that part of the history are gone. That doesn't end the call. What happens is the call has been transferred to you and to your husband and to your wife and to your son and your daughter and your grandson and your granddaughter. The call is yours. Verse 15, the Lord's still speaking. He said, what's more? I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. You remember that promise from 20 years ago? God ain't leaving you until he's giving you everything in that promise. You remember that promise from last Sunday? He ain't leaving you until he's fulfilled that promise. You remember that promise from your prayer chair? He ain't leaving you until that promise has been taken care of. It may look like it ain't going to happen. It may look like it's not going to work. It may look like everything is falling apart. It may look like that you've gotten too involved in it and you've messed it up. But God said, let me tell you something. I am with you and I will protect you and I will bring you back to this land and I am not leaving you until I've given you everything I promised you. Tell you what, Pastor Tommy's going to have to come preach here sometime. Evangelist Tommy's wearing me out. (laughs) I got news for you. Too many of us have given up on God's promises because we don't think it can happen anymore. We've given up on what God told us because we haven't seen it fast enough. We live in a microwave society. We, We get mad if McDonald's takes more than five minutes to get our hamburger. We walk into the house of God, and we expect God to answer every promise in the moment he gives it. We expect an instantaneous thing. I got news for you. God wants to prove us out. God wants to let us mature. James says it this way. He says, count it all joy to face diverse temptations because you know that trouble builds patience. And when patience has had its work complete, you become mature and lacking nothing. You know why we haven't got our promises yet? Because most of us have not let God send us enough battles to make us mature yet. Let me go back to that gun I was talking about. When my granddad was given that gun, he knew what to do with it. When my dad was given that gun, he knew what to do with it. When I was given that gun, I was told you can shoot it right now, and then we're putting it up. When Anthony was given that gun, I showed it to him. You know why? My granddad grew up in a time and an era where they shot on a regular basis at 12 years old. Me and my son, when we got 12 years old, we would go and do some target practice. But we, we wasn't hunters. 
We didn't run around with that gun. I would have never thought to give Anthony a 22 at 12 years old and say, hey, keep this in your room. Sure wouldn't do that nowadays. Nowadays, they'd take the kid away if you gave him a gun at 12 years old and told him to keep it in their room. I bet Grandpa had that gun in his closet when he was 12. Yeah, if he had a closet, maybe it's just under his bed. Now, have we ever thought about the fact that if we continue to act childish, God continues to say, I can't give you what I promised you because you can't handle it. If we won't let God make us grow up, we keep God from being able to give us the promise he promised. But when we let God, when we say, okay, God, I want everything you've got. Jacob, liar, cheater, running from the family. His brother wanted to kill him. And all of a sudden, God says, listen, I'm going to bring you back one of these days. But before you get back, you're going to go through some stuff, son. You think you have deceived others? You about to be taken advantage of. Let me tell you something. Mr. Supplanter, Mr. Deceiver, Mr. Smooth Enough to Get the Birthright, Smooth smooth Enough to Get the Blessing, goes and falls in love. (laughs) I'll work seven years. Gets married. And I don't understand the culture. Next morning realizes he married the wrong woman. I'm going to tell you, I made sure I had to write one at the service. I made sure I had to write one when we were saying I do. But the next morning, he had the wrong sister. He had been deceived. Oh, it's not our custom to let the younger daughter marry first. Oh, but if you'll work seven more years. He later approaches his father-in-law, Laban, and he says, listen, you keep changing my wages. You change this. You change that. You keep deceiving me. But I want to do what's right. But there's going to come a time I got to get out of here. You know what he was saying? Mr. Supplanter had been supplanted. Mr. Deceiver had been deceived. He went through the battle. He went through some hard times. He went and he worked and he struggled and he fought. And God provided, God fulfilled his word. He provided for him. He he laid out a plan where that he would take only the striped and speckled sheep from the the, uh, flock. And all of a sudden, God showed him. And he began to make sheep the right way. And all the healthy sheep came out spotted and striped. And all the weak sheep came out pure and white. And all of a sudden, his flock was worth more than his father-in-law's flock. Why? Because God provided. See, in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your situation, the promise of God still stands, I will not leave you. You may go through a hard time. You may go through a hard season. You may go through some You may go through some trials, some dry seasons. I'm going to tell you, there's going to be some times in your life that it's going to feel like the heavens are brass. 
There's going to be some times in your life that it feels like everybody's out against you. But I got one promise for you. God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Though men may fall to the side, though people may talk about you, though may they may say things, God says, I will not leave you. And I'm going to bring you back to the land of promise. And I will not leave you alone until I have given you everything I promise you. We got to hang on to the promise. We got to hang on understanding that God's not leaving us. He's not taking us anywhere. He's not going to leave us out on the backside of the desert. God was not going to let Jacob go back to Haran and leave him there. But instead he said, if I let you go back there, you better know in the deep sides of your knower that I'm going to bring you back. Some of you feel like God is taking you back to Egypt and left you there. Sunday morning, we talked about Noah. We talked about the trust it took for Noah to let God shut him up inside that boat with the lions and tigers and bears, oh my, with the fleas and ticks and spiders, with the snakes, the bats, the mosquitoes. Sometimes I wonder, God, you could have left things off the boat. All of a sudden, Noah had to understand that if God shuts me up in here, there's going to come a time that God's going to open my If God's going to shut the door and keep me here, there's going to come a time that God is going to give me dominion over the entire earth. And what happens when they when they land that ark and they come out on dry land? The Lord set his bow in the sky and said, I will never again destroy the earth by flood. And I give you dominion over the animals. I give you dominion over the plants and over the animals. Go and multiply and replenish the earth. You are in charge. It's yours. Not leaving you until I give you everything I promise you. He's not going to put you in the ark and leave you with the animals. He's not going to put you in the fiery furnace and leave you to burn. He's not going to put you in the lion's den and leave you for dinner. If he puts you in the middle of a battle, he is faithful and just to bring you out of that battle. When he puts you in the middle of a learning situation, you just hold on to his unchanging hand because he says, I will not leave you until I have given you everything I have promised you. I know a lady that tells me over and over again, I haven't talked to her in a number of years, but she always told me, that God had promised her in a dream that she would see the rapture. And as she began to age, she kept saying, I ain't worried about getting older because I ain't dying. I said, what? You know how we get She goes, oh, no, no, no. God promised. And God won't go back on his promise. It's not mine to judge the promise. But I know one thing. I just saw on Facebook the other day, I think last week, she had another birthday. You know why I know she still had another birthday? Because Jesus ain't come back yet. God says, I'm going to hold on to you, and I'm going to give you everything I promised you. Quit giving up on your promises. 
Jacob didn't even understand what the promise was. He, he's learning here that the promise was not his promise. It was a promise that was given to his grandfather. But he says, it's yours now. You own it, and I'm not leaving you behind. Verse 16 says, Jacob woke from sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. Man, when I stopped here, I just thought it was a good place to sleep. But what I found was the gateway to heaven. Can I tell you something? This is none other than the house of God. He was afraid, verse 17, but he was afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway of heaven. I got news for you, church. I know that sometimes we see ups and we see downs in the church. Sometimes we see times when the preacher preaches good and when the preacher doesn't preach good. Sometimes we see times when every, every note is played right, and sometimes we know when the notes aren't played right. We've seen good services and bad services. We've been excited and we've been depressed, but I got news for you. This is an awesome place. It is the very house of God. It is the gateway to heaven. Why? Because this is a place that we glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? You know what that means? You are an awesome person. You are the very house of God. You are an awesome person. You are the very house of God. Getting there. We tried this way. You are an awesome person. You are the very house of God. See, I don't care if we scream it, if we whisper it. I don't care if we make it personal. The truth of the matter is we need to understand that we don't need to go anywhere or do anything. God has made us his house. He has made us his dwelling place. We are the very house of God. God's presence, God's power, God's anointing, God's blessing is resting in our heart. Quit waiting for the Sunday school teacher to do it. Quit waiting for the pastor to do it. Quit waiting for the evangelist to do it. Quit waiting for the worship pastor to do it. You are the house of God. You are the gateway to him. You know what a gateway is? A doorway and a gateway are basically the same thing. A doorway is how that I can go from inside to outside. From inside to outside. We 
are the gateway, the doorway to heaven. We have the ability to show people how to come from punishment, how to come from prison, how to come from hurt and ache, and how to take them through the gateway to heaven. Show them what the power of God is all about. We are the portal that teaches them and shows them what heaven is. become the walls of heaven. Too many of us, we block more people out of heaven than we usher into heaven. We might understand being the house of God. We're a brick house that the big bad wolf can't blow down. But we don't understand that we're the gateway to heaven. And we need to be bringing people in through a gateway and showing them what the glory of God is. Jacob, his life is being changed here in this pop-up revival. Jacob is being shown that he is a good place. Think about that. He knows he's a liar. He knows he's a cheater. He knows everybody wants to kill him. He knows he hasn't done anything right. But all of a sudden, God begins to show him, I'm going to bless you. And what you see here is a picture of what I see. And all of a sudden, we begin to understand that it doesn't matter where we've been or what we've done. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and no longer do we need to repel those. But now we can fling open the gates of our heart and we can show them the glory of God that's inside the house of God. We sing the song so many times. My favorite song right now, Isaiah 6, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. I love that that visual that, that Isaiah had, but I got news for you. I don't have to go to a holy of holies in heaven anymore because now my Lord and my Savior lives inside of me. He lives in my heart. The Spirit of God is here. The power of God is here. Jesus Christ has made his abode in me, and my heart is a house of God and a very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up early, and he took the stone he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. He poured olive oil on it and named the place Bethel, which means house of God, although it had previously been called Luz. What he's saying here is it doesn't matter what you used to call it now, it's the house of God. in the time and I didn't even think about it. I wish I'd have looked up what loves me. But I got news for you. It don't matter what loves me. See, maybe your house used to be witchcraft, but now it's the house. The name of your house used to be oppressed, but now it's the house. Oh. The name of your house used to be 
impeded and difficulty and has problems and physically challenged, but now it's the house of God. The name of your house used to be alcoholic, but now it's the house of God. The name of your house may have one time been drug addict, but now it's the house of God. The name of your house may have one time been liar. It may have been cheater, but now it's the house of God. It may have one time been faker. It may have one time been pretender, but now it's the house of God. Your name is the house of God. Call Brother Curtis and tell him I I appreciate him all the more now. Wearing me out. And Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, if he will provide for me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. I used to hate that verse. That verse used to make me Well, aren't you full of faith? Well, if God actually does what he says, I'm going to trust him. But see, I, I, I read it with a different eye. He, he wasn't saying, all right, I'm going about my life, and if God does what he says, that's okay. No, what he was saying is, listen, God said he was going to provide for me. If God said he was going to give me food and clothing, if God said that he was going to bring me back to my father's house, if God said he was going to bring me peace, I'm going to be his. It wasn't if it happens, I'm going to do it. It was if he said he's going to do it, if he's going to follow through with this, if he is who he says he is, if he is doing what he says he's doing, there is no change in me anymore. There is no change in who I am. We need to start understanding what God has spoken into us is what causes us to follow him. Create a place to worship God. Hmm. Jacob continues and says, And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. No, be careful, be relaxed. This is evangelist Tommy preaching, not Pastor Tommy. I'll let you I'll let you pray through the tenth of God, I'll let Pastor Tommy come back and preach that later. But let Evangelist Tommy preach for a second. You know what's wrong with us today? We've quit setting up places of worship. We have set up concert halls. We have set up, we have set up entertainment halls. We've created theater. We have created drama. I'm not opposed to, opposed to theater. I, if any of you know me, and I've been your pastor almost seven years now, you know I, I'm into that stuff. But I got news for you until we remember that it's more important to set up a place of worship. So we quit worshiping 
the songs we sing and start worshiping who we're singing to. Till we start finding and understanding that the place of worship we're setting up is not someplace in the altar of a church house. It's someplace in the altar of our house. They that dwell in the secret place of the Most High. We've built altars for looks. I'm going to. These altars have had people saved around. They've had lives changed. But can I tell you, these altars are not what makes you grow. It's the altar you set up in your house. chair. My mama's got a chair. My mama's got a chair. I won't let my kids sit in. I've already told my mama when she dies, the chair's mine. It will sit in a special place probably in my office, and every Mother's Day will be the only day I will bring it to a platform, and that's where I will sit till I preach. Because that's her prayer chair. That, that chair has prayed me through more trouble and more trial, prayed me into salvation, prayed me into anointing, prayed for me when I was preaching revivals. That chair prayed for me when everything was falling apart in my life. The chair didn't pray my mom did, but it was her altar. It was her altar. I got news for you. We need to start creating a place to worship God. Jacob said, listen, I'm going to serve him. And this rock that I have set up, it's just a stone. It's nothing but a rock that I laid my head on. But I've anointed it with oil. And it's the place that I will remember and I will worship and I will sacrifice and I will give. I got news for you. Until you set up a place to worship God, you don't even know who God is. Can I go one step further? We need an altar in our house. We need an altar in our car. But we need an altar in our heart. If we're going to set up a place of worship, we're going to set up an altar. We've got to remember what an altar is. And an altar is anointed. And an altar is a place to kill stuff. And when we create an altar to worship God in our heart, we kill things. We kill pride. We kill envy. We kill greed. We kill lust. We kill anger. We kill unforgiveness. We kill sin of every kind. We kill bad attitudes. We kill, I just don't care. We kill apathy. We kill all. Why? Because we have created a place of worship in our heart. Do you know what this pop-up revival is. It's that somewhere God has grabbed a hold of us as a church and he said, I want you to kill your plan and let me do something. 
kill what you thought, and let me just show you something. He's giving us a place to worship him. He's giving us a a separation from our normal routine that wasn't something we scheduled in, but rather something that has interrupted our life and said, I have interrupted you so you can create a place to worship me. Here's what God did for Jacob. Jacob was running to get away, and God interrupted him with a good place to worship him. Some of you have been running from God. You've been running from anointing. You've been running from blessing. You've been running from power. You've been running from calling. You've been running from healing. You've been running from joy. You've been running from victory. You've been running from this. You've been running from that. And you think that you're about to get away, but all of a sudden God's going to find a good place to let you set up an altar and let you remember who God is. I got news for you. The same God that touched you at Winterfest two years ago, a year ago, three years ago, four years ago, is the same God that touched you. Same God that touched you. Same God that found you hiding from the world. Same God that brought you back to and is the same God that's still moving in your heart today. Same God that makes you come to some weird all-day preaching service, weekend. It's going to be my winter fest. That's what she told me. Calls you to come to my house and sit on my back deck. Cry. Is the same God. Here tonight. Pop up revivals. The presence of God. It's not just about a sermon. It's about a good place. Where is a good place for God to change your life? Everywhere. God's found good places to me in Walmart. Yes. I walked in Walmart in Greenwood, South Carolina, after Curtis had preached a sermon on holy, holy, holy. And Curtis had told us that we should cry out like the angels. When we see a fellow believer, we should cry out, He's holy! Walked into a Walmart. Walked in that Walmart for about three weeks after that. You'd walk into Walmart in Greenwood, South Carolina, and somebody would see you from across the aisle and go, He's holy! As soon as you heard it, oh no, he's holier than that. And for five or ten minutes, people would be echoing all over Walmart. He's holy, holy, holy. Told you my youth group was crazy. I don't know. I don't know how they got crazy because I'm not, but they were. He's interrupted my life in car trips, driving down the road. He's interrupted my life in my office. He's interrupted my life in my bedroom, in my living room, in my church. 
He's interrupted my life when things are going great. He's interrupted my life when things are going bad. It doesn't matter where I'm at. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. If I will tune my ears to the presence of God and I will let him, he will remind me that the ground I'm lying on is mine. It has been given to me and my descendants, and he is with me, and he's not going to leave me, and he's going to bring me back to everything he gave me, and he's never going to let me go until he's given me everything he promised me. And all of a sudden, I begin to realize that there's always a good time to praise the Lord. It's always a good time to worship Him. It's always a good time to celebrate His life. It's always a good time to accept His correction, direction, and provision. We've got to create a place to worship God. Church. These series of meetings is about one thing. It's about understanding that revival is not planned. Revival happens. Revival is not planned. Revival happens. Why does revival happen? Because all of a sudden we realize. Glasses on the floor and font small. And at sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Now let me come on down here. Then Jacob awoke from sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. And that God's there whether we realize it or not. We start to understand that we can worship him no matter where we're at, no matter what we're going through, no matter what's happening. We've got some choices to make. Some of you are here, and you've been holding on to somebody else's stuff. Maybe it's not mom and daddy. Maybe it's not grandma and grandpa. Maybe it's somebody else. Worship my house and I can't. You're looking around. This one, that one. The anointing is yours. Every one of you have been called. Every one of you have been touched. It's yours. The ground you are lying on is yours. About that. Ground where you're at, I can't be. That's yours. Some of you can understand that God has anointed you. But you feel like you've been left. You feel like. That last revival was great. You say things like I used to. I used to worship him. I used to feel a call. I used to feel blessed. I, God hadn't left you. God hadn't left you. I used to see the power of God. God's power isn't gone. You're just not moving in it anymore. 
I hate hearing it, but I hear it all the time. Oh, pastor, we used to have great services. Well, why aren't we now? Can I let you in on a secret? Every time you walk in the building, you're going to have as good a service as you want to have. Oh, now, Pastor, I, no, it's not quite other people. No, no, no. Nobody can keep you from what God wants to do in your life. The only way other people keep you from what God wants, you to, wants to do in your life is if you get so caught up in what it looks like that you won't let God move in you. And maybe if you let God move in you, then God can move in somebody else. Maybe you're the gateway to the revival. God's not left you. This is the house of God. You are the house of God. And when we let God begin to move in our life, we create a place of worship. That's what I want to do. I want to pray. You're here tonight. And if you're saying, Pastor, never felt like it. I always feel like I'm reaching for it. I'm like Jacob. I feel like I'm always grabbing a hold of somebody else. I, I, I feel like the woman with the issue of blood. My life right now is about trying to get to the him because I haven't gotten him. I feel like I'm always reaching, but it always feels like it's just outside my grasp. I've tried to figure out ways to make it happen, and it just doesn't seem to happen for me. I just don't know that it's mine. I got news for you. It's yours. And as I pray tonight, I want you to come to this side of the church. If you're here, say, Pastor Tommy, I, I, I know. I know that God has got a call on me. But I feel like it was so yesterday. I feel like that I haven't felt that in a while. I feel like I've been forgotten. I feel like I've lost something. I, I feel like that 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 I you know I, I just need a I need a refilling. I need I need a I need another touch. Let me tell you something. You don't need a refilling. You need to understand that the that God never left. You don't need fill the bottle. Realize that tell you something. The anointing God gave you, it's still there. It's still there. But our problem is we haven't trusted him enough to understand to listen to what he said. He said, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. It doesn't matter what you go through. I'm going to be there. We begin to understand. We begin to understand. We don't need a refilling. We just need to trust the Lord. You need let God speak. Meet God. 
to wrap around your life and hold until you feel that anointing well back up in your spirit. I want you to come and stand in the center of this church when I pray. And you may be here and you may say, Pastor, I know it's mine. And Pastor, I know that the anointing is still there. Oh, but I just want to worship him. I'm going to have you come over here. Now, let me tell you how this is going to work. I'm going to pray. Now, I'm going to go over to this side over here, and I'm going to say, God, show them that they be- that belongs to them. Give it to them. Let them accept it. Let them receive it. I'm going to come over here, and I'm going to pray, God, squeeze them. Let them feel and realize that it's still in there. I may never make it over here because supposedly if you're over here, you already know it's yours. You already know it's there. Over here, you just need to be worshiping. You need to be, you don't need somebody laying hands on you over here. You need to be shouting. You need to be cutting the rug on this side of the room. God wants to pop up a revival in your life because he has brought you to a good place to worship him. As I pray, you need to know it's yours over here. You need God to well up that anointing in your life again. It's right here. You're just ready to praise him. It's right over there. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you right now. And Lord, I pray that you would reach down, that you would send your anointing, that you would send your power. Lord, I want you to reach down right now. And Lord, I want you to show us that you have called us. It is yours. Lord, I want you to well up in our heart the anointing of God. Lord, let us feel it flowing again. Let us feel it moving again. And Lord Jesus, right now as we begin to worship you, Lord, I just want to feel your victory. I want to feel your power. I want to feel your anointing, Lord, right now. Lord, I want you to move. I want you to touch. I want you to have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to get where you need to be. I'm going to tell you right now, there's some people that need to be in the center right now, and you ain't moved yet because you're telling yourself right now, well, that's something that used to be. I'm telling you, God has brought you here. He's brought you to a good place. Quit watching for it and come get it right now. Right now, come.